beautiful Ashland, Oregon. I am Pleiadian Emissary of Light, Caroline Ra. Thank you so much for joining with me today. Welcome to Spirit of the Dawn. We are in for a very special show today. We're going to be discussing one of my most favorite subjects, the evolution of consciousness, with my guest today, Dr. Michael Cotton. Michael has dedicated his life to developing innovative techniques in personal transformation that take us from lower brain living to higher brain living. Michael has a degree in chiropractic and is a leading theorist in the evolution of consciousness and the founder of Higher Brain Living Technique. We'll be discussing his book, Source Code Meditation, Hacking Evolution Through Higher Brain Activation, and learning how we can apply these techniques to live fuller lives as our authentic selves. I am delighted to welcome to Spirit of the Dawn, Dr. Michael Cotton. Thank you, Michael, for joining with us today. Oh, my pleasure. I am delighted to be here today. This sounds like fun. I think we will have fun, yes. Now, you have quite a story to tell, actually, because you weren't always involved in personal transformation. Could you tell us about what happened? What was the shift in your life? Well, I, um, I spent most of my childhood as a very stressed out, lost and dazed and confused kid for whatever reason. I don't, I, well, I, I understand it now, but at the time it didn't make sense. I had a good, good parenting, I believe a good family, but I was kind of sickly. I had chronic migraine headaches. I was very stressed out. I was very anxious and I was very fearful. And I went through a great deal of my childhood like that. I ended up bumbling my way through school and stumbling my way through high school. And I graduated from high school and I was told that, you know, what the right thing to do was to go to college. And so I enrolled in college in the local town in the Midwest that I was from. Started college, had no purpose, no reason for actually being there. And by the end of one year, I was kicked out of college uh, with a, a 0.57 GPA, uh, academically, academically ineligible to return was what it said on the letter <laughs> that they gave me. And so I started taking minimum wage jobs and I just, I had no direction and I had no, and what I realized now is I hadn't unlocked any purpose in my life. And so I was just, I was, I was going through one minimum wage to the next, drinking beer on the weekends, just trying to escape basically a meaningless life. And I was standing at one of those, the latest one of those minimum wage jobs at the time I was 26 years old and something inside of me just clicked. And I, I don't want to give the impression that it just happened in that very moment. It had been bubbling up for a little while. I was feeling something different that I couldn't explain, but there was this defining moment. I remember it very vividly of standing in this steel and aluminum shop and having this surge of energy move through me and, and feeling what, what I describe now as the view from 50,000 feet, where I was able to just kind of expand my, my consciousness in a way that I, I could see you know, like time was out in front of me and I could see where I had been, where I was at, and very clearly where I was headed. And I had this overwhelming sense of, of 
uh, confidence is the best word, and empowerment. And I knew in that moment that my old life was over. And I just, I entered into this just really profound flow state. And I started quickly devouring information within the human potential movement because I wanted to understand what had happened to me, what had, what had created this, like I felt really different than I had felt. And I knew I was creating this compelling new future. And I started to, I, I left the, that job within a week of that experience. I just, I just quit. I just said, this is enough. And I started looking for what am I going to do? And I knew it had something to do with what had happened to me and something to do with human potential. And I started, and I'm in this flow state, right? And I'm reading everything I can read on the evolution of consciousness on, you know, meditative traditions and contemplative techniques and energy work and uh, Zen Buddhism and, you know, everything that I could find that has anything to do with human potential. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to synthesize all of this. Like I'm trying to understand what happened to me. I'm trying to create a system around it. And I had this aha moment at one point in it. I read a book called The Three, the Three Pound Universe. It was put out by Omni Science writers uh, like 25 years ago. And The Three Pound Universe was a play on the, the, the brain weighs approximately three pounds. And I had this aha that the brain was the missing link in so much of the human potential movement that, you know, the psychologists didn't understand it. The life coaches didn't understand it. None of the world's wisdom traditions incorporated it. It wasn't anywhere in yoga philosophy or meditation techniques. And I realized this profound impact the brain has on our consciousness and the, the correlates within that. And I then immediately decided, oh, I've got to understand this is the piece of the puzzle that's missing from everything I'd studied. I, I started then just in this kind of intuitive flow state. I decided to go to chiropractic college because I understood that to be a discipline that prioritized the central nervous system. And I had to learn about the brain and neurology and all of this because it was the next piece of this puzzle I was trying to synthesize or, or put together. So I call the chiropractic college up and uh, they say, well, this is a doctoral program, <laughs> postgraduate program, and you have uh, one year of college with a 0.57 GPA. Uh, <laughs> you have some work to do, young man. So, <laughs> but I'm, I'm unstoppable, right? That's the sense that's in me is I'm unstoppable. I said, tell me what to do and I'll do it. So they said, well, you've got to get all these humanities, all of this undergrad stuff, and then you've got to get into these basic sciences. And I instantly enrolled in psychology courses and philosophy courses, and I was acing them. I was writing these papers that professors were telling me were the most incredible things they'd read that were, you know, 30-year philosophy professors. I got my GPA up. Uh, I, I went into, I started taking 32 credit hours a semester of the sciences I needed, physics, chemistry, biology. I was taking twice the normal college load and, and acing all of that. I got into the doctoral program. I went through a four-year college in three years, graduated on the national dean's list. And again, I say all of that because it was a stark contrast. It was like this complete shift in who I was. And so that really just put me on the path then. Within, when I got into the chiropractic technique, I started being able to study more about the brain, more about the nervous system, how to integrate it into the system that I was working on. I start to 
to work with different low force chiropractic techniques, different quasi kind of energy work techniques and learning about that. And I started to integrate it into this, this model. So uh, that was kind of a long answer. You may have to re- reel me in a little bit once in a while. because No, I, I find it really <laughs> fascinating. I find it fascinating. Um, that's why I asked the question because I find it to be one of the most interesting um, parts of the story, and it's an origin story. If you were a comic book uh, character, we we need your origin story. <laughs> yes, right, right, right. <laughs> well, um, Michael, you touched on it a little bit in what you were saying there. Um, what is missing from most personal transformation techniques that people oh, spend so much time, money, and effort? They have hopes and they don't get the results that they're looking for. What's missing? Yeah, and what a what a great question. And I think it, it's it's kind of like the elephant in the room. It's like we all know that <laughs> that there's something missing because it it, it and the research is kind of clear on this. You know, so many people start out when you, you talk about a book. It's, it's the statistics are something like ninety percent of the people that buy a self help book don't even finish reading it. Now, let alone more advanced or sophisticated programs. So, so what's going on, right? We have these good intentions. Well, when I had that aha moment that the brain was the missing link, what I discovered within that is that is that built into human physiology, our hard material structure, are these competing brain areas. And so we have this, this lower brain that evolved at a time when the environment was full of predators. And its job is to merely keep us alive. And it does that mostly through the habituation of safety. So if you're in a predator-rich environment and you discover this path to a waterhole that you don't get attacked by saber-toothed tigers, then you keep going back to that path. And even if that path is kind of rocky and it's not very wide and it's not very well groomed and it's full of briars that scrape your body up, it's safe. We can get water and we cannot get attacked. So we go back that path over and over and over. And we do that where we find our food and where we had our shelter. And so there's a, we develop this kind of like biology that wants to replay the same patterns, the same pathways in life, if those pathways have led to our survival. So the lower, the, that lower primitive part of the brain, it, it served a very valuable purpose in a very hostile predator-rich world. It kept us alive by finding something that worked and not deviating by that. And something that worked is defined by, did you wake up alive today? If you woke up alive today, whatever you did yesterday worked and the day before worked and the day before that worked. So let's do it again tomorrow and the next day. And that's all fine, except that evolution is a process that continues to go beyond to create something new. And our brain, a lot of people don't realize this, but our brain has actually evolved in layers. And so the old primitive layer of the brain is still in us. It didn't go anywhere. But through evolution, so it doesn't like erase what came before and create something new. It just layers over what came before. And so that old primitive, old primitive brain is still in us. But now higher layers have emerged. And the most recent higher layer, the prefrontal cortex and this whole apparatus, this is a part of the brain where we can thrive, not just survive. 
It's the part of the brain that's now been linked into or been shown to be associated with high-end spiritual experience, higher states of consciousness, more purpose in life, more meaning in life. The National Institutes of Mental Health researcher, Dr. Paul McLean, even referred to this as the angel lobes, because that's where we have the, that, those high-end uh, experiences. The challenge is, is that the old lower brain has been in humanity forever. The higher brain is a relatively recent evolutionary emergence. So this old lower brain is still very dominant in the species, so much so that all information that comes in from our environment is first filtered through that lower brain. And all it's trying to do is keep you the sa safe. And the way it keeps you the safe is by repeating the same patterns over and over again. So we have this, this ideal that we want to change our life, that we want new relationships, or we want better communities, or we want abundant finances, or we want a relationship with God, whatever that means to us, or spiritual growth, right? And so we set off on these paths that we think can get us there. But lurking below the conscious threshold is this part of our biology that doesn't want to change. It doesn't want you to change because change is risky to the lower brain. It got where it got by doing the same thing over and over and over again. So we, we strive for new ways to be in our life or new ways to be in the world. But below the conscious threshold, something in us is saying, oh, no, you don't. And it cycles us back into the same pattern. So I recognize what a missing link this was. You take, for instance, traditional meditation techniques. Now, they've evolved over 5,000 years, right? The discovery that the higher part of the brain was associated with the higher consciousness that we uh, aspire to through meditation, the discovery that there's a correlate in the brain with that that's only been made in like the last 30 or 40 years. And so it was impossible for these meditative traditions to understand the staggering impact on the production of meditative states or higher states of consciousness or feelings of well-being. They couldn't have known how critical a role the brain plays in that. And so what I'm insisting is that because we are largely locked into these lower brain strategies that are not designed to process this complex modern world. We have this modern world out there that the simple strategies of the lower brain doesn't know how to deal with. And so it just keeps creating its sameness over and over and over again. So we sit down to meditate or we do life coaching or whatever it is that we're going to do, but we're doing that into a brain physiology that doesn't want to change. And so a missing link or a fundamental problem within self-help in general, I have a chapter in my book called, uh, you know, why self-help seldom helps, <laughs> right? Because there's a, there's a biological imperative to create sameness. And until we can get energy into the part of the brain, the evolutionary part of the brain that actually wants to create something new, then it takes inordinate amounts of time and energy with most techniques without creating the change in the brain, okay? Again, somewhat of a long answer there, <laughs> which I'm prone to do. Yeah. 
No, that's fine. I appreciate that. I wanted to clarify a couple of points, though. So when someone does make that switch from lower brain living to higher brain living, what can they see as the impact on their lives? Oh, wow. Uh, Well, the, the the first thing that usually shows up is the uh, is the reduction of stress, anxiety, depression, uh, it, it, because the 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 lower brain stress and anxiety are just another name for the experience generated from a lower brain trying to adapt to the complexity of the modern world. And so when there's a shift out of lower brain physiology, the first experience is one of uh, dumping stress, the dissipation of stress, the dissipation of anxiety. And then what immediately comes in is is a much more clearer, focused mind. And so as they continue down that path of getting energy into that higher part of the brain, it starts to unlock purpose. Purpose and meaning are also uh, part and parcel from a physiological level, part of that higher brain's uh, capacity. And so people start to experience more happiness, more joy, more purpose, more compassion, more spiritual depth. And through, through our programs, we, we, we have ways we don't just help them wake up, but to grow up and to uh, bring that into their life to create the life that they're looking for is as well. Wow. Uh, Michael, let's talk about higher brain living technique, how you developed it. Um, You're very well known for your events uh, and your trainings. Uh, How did you develop this technique? Yeah, well, so back at the back at that uh, period, when I, uh, you know, I had my own waking up, I started trying to synthesize a system based on what had happened to me, I then discovered the missing link being brain physiology, higher brain physiology. I then pursued an education in chiropractic to understand the nervous system. While in chiropractic, I become exposed to a variety of different energy work techniques. I started finding that there was a, that different techniques were finding ways to mobilize energy in the body. So I started to to study this. And I found these corollaries in everything from, you know, chi energy and traditional Chinese medicine to, to prana in yoga philosophy. And it hit me. And in fact, I could show that almost all of the world's wisdom traditions and all of the world's ancient healing arts systems all unanimously agreed that there was a latent energy source in the body. And that if that energy source was mobilized, that it in some way conferred benefits, uh, uh, you know, wellness or consciousness benefits. And I started to dig into this very deeply. And I had that other aha moment that at times through the, these variety of, of techniques and throughout history at times that energy was being mobilized in the body and it was getting into these higher centers of the brain. And so I started looking to develop from what I knew about various energy work techniques, I started looking to develop a system that prioritized not only the flow of that energy, but the flow of that energy to the brain, to the higher brain. And I started working uh, feverishly uh, to 
to understand that and to put that into a system. And I started to experiment with thousands of, of people, all the while, you know, iterating this, creating a protocol that I got to the point that I could, in 45-minute long sessions, you know, someone on a, like a massage table, introduce through gentle touch what I call a code of information into their body through general touch in a way that it woke up that dormant energy and, and helped it flow to the higher centers of the brain. And I, when that happens, when it starts to get into the higher centers of the brain, it starts to create its own feedback. And so there's this amazing experience that happens through these sessions of the body. It feels like the body starts to breathe itself or that this energy, you have, you have a sense of this energy flowing through the body to the brain, like you can literally feel it. And <clears throat> so I started just working day after day, week after week, year after year, to get this in a system that I could consistently introduce this protocol, this code of touch, gentle touch, into these pathways in the body in a way that it would mobilize this energy to the brain. And as the higher brain started to wake up, then uh, it, it started, the, the person experiencing it was consistently reporting their stress going away, their anxiety going away, their confidence soaring, their sense of empowerment soaring. And so I just turned it into a complete system. This is almost a decade ago. No, more than a decade ago now. Uh, it, it became a complete system that not only helped wake up the brain, but then again, helped them help guide them on how to apply that in, into their life. So that's kind of how Higher Brain Living was, uh, was born. And I opened a, a, a practice I had. It was crazy, wild. Uh, I had a waiting list uh, of people. Uh, it was just full. People were, would come in. And would uh, this was actually in Kansas City where I was at at the time. They would come in and they would just like be all over the floors and all over the furniture and not even have appointments scheduled, just wanting to be in the community and the energy of it all. I had families coming from Moscow in the early days of this. I had people mo literally moving out of the states they were in and and buying homes like around my center there. And I realized it was getting way bigger than I was, and I had to get it into the world. So I, I actually got some consultation as to how to best do this. I opened another practice in another part of the country. I had a waiting list in six months in it. I then turned it into a training program where I certified a couple of hundred people across the world uh, through a, a, like a school, a, a whole training certification process to then learn to be able to apply the technique. And so that is, was and is higher brain living, of which you're pointing to is what source code meditation ultimately emerged out of. Right. Now, this is the, your book that just came out, Source Code Meditation, Hacking Evolution Through Higher Brain Activation. We're talking with Dr. Michael Cotton. And... Uh, how did source code meditation evolve? Now, I'm seeing a need now for people to be able to do this mm -hmm. for themselves. Is that how source code meditation evolved? Yeah, that's how it evolved. And, and so th this is actually probably one of my, at least personally, <laughs> most uh, exciting parts of the whole thing. It was like the, it was the next huge aha moment for me that really kind of changed everything. And so I 
I had recognized, so, so when I went from one practice that was busting at the seams and the quality of life changes happening, the people were just incredible. I, I knew that I had to, to get it into the world. So that one practice was not going to do it. And so I opened two and two were, was not going to do it. So I trained five people that was not going to do it. So I trained 200 people and I still realized that was not going to do it. We're touching a fraction of the population. Now it, that fraction that's been touched, it works. We have two studies out of, out of the University of Iowa, conducted through the University of Iowa, showing these high-end quality of life benefits, right? That wasn't in question. What was in question is, how do we touch enough people to create widespread social change through, through these models? And I realized that we just couldn't train enough people fast enough, and then they have to open businesses and expand, you know, all of this, all of these complicating factors when I wanted to touch uh, millions, if not billions, of, of people. So I've been have been thinking for a long time and working on a way that people could uh, self-energize that, that without without the hands-on facilitation. And I want to I want to first say that there's still there's still no sub, the, the hands-on facilitation still will take us to another level. But what I worked to develop was a way that people could bring their own breath, touch, and intention into some of these key contact points into this code, this source code, and liberate that energy to their brain. And this is where the meditation piece come in. And this is the part that I'm really, that, that's really, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's just the most uh, profound piece of this to me, what, how, how we got here. And so we had this higher brain living technique developed. We had a ton of research now piling up. I was looking at ways for people to be able to self-engage these pathways and open their brains up on their own. Uh, and I actually started writing the book many years ago based on all of this. Uh, and I had, we'd have brain researchers, not only University of Iowa measuring quality of life studies, but brain researchers from coast to coast looking at this stuff. And I had a brain researcher in Los Angeles that said, hey, I want to study what's going on in the brain. When you're doing a higher brain living session, I want to, I want to watch it happen in real time, what's going on in the brain as this energy starts to flow through them. So I went out to LA, we got someone on the table, she's doing this in real time, she's measuring it, the computer screen is there, I'm watching it. Uh, I'm not an EEG expert, but I know enough to be dangerous, right? And, and so I, I'm, I'm watching the, the EEG and the brain, the, this very, you know, 30-year accomplished brain researcher is, uh, you know, their pad and pencil and the computer screen's recording all of this in real time. And so I'm, I'm liberating this energy to the brain and we see the breath start to expand in the per person and she's taking readings, you know, and then the wave of energy starts to move and she's taking readings. And very quickly into this session, like 15 minutes into this session, I'm seeing this pattern emerge that I'm asking her about and that she's confirming. And she says, these are, these are high voltage, high energy alpha waves flooding into the prefrontal cortex. And she says, this is a really unique finding in the prefrontal cortex of the brain. And then they lock into what's called coherence. 
And so we have these high, this, the, this high energy building in the higher brain. It starts to flood with alpha waves, and then it starts to cohere. So it starts to create this high level of communication across the brain. And I knew from, from being a research junk, a consciousness research junkie, I knew that I had seen that signature before. And the only place I had ever seen it was through academic research measuring highly advanced, highly accomplished meditators when they were able to enter transcendent states of consciousness. So this hit me. I said, wait a minute. We're, this, you know, they're standing down, crossing their legs and, you know, doing a meditation technique for decades. Then when they're able to shift into these transcendent states of consciousness, there's these changes in the brain and they look like this. And I'm saying, but we're producing those brain changes in real time, very rapidly. So we're able to liberate this energy. It starts to wake up the brain. And this is when I had the next big aha moment. I said, what if I introduced meditation while the brain is already in this state? Instead of using decades of meditation to put it in this state, what if we just instantly can put it in this state and then introduce meditation? And that's what I did. I had the person introduce a meditation technique while the brain was flooding with alpha waves, while it was in this coherent state. And when that happened, the, the EEG signal went off the charts, so to speak. We saw these profound changes. I won't, it, it's kind of geeky. I won't go into all the details of this, but just to suffice to say, these huge shifts in higher brain function and the person, which we now see consistently reporting these very deep transcendent and flow states of consciousness. So I realized what I had started to discover that we knew the brain was a missing link so why not leverage that missing link? And if we can shift the brain before meditation, we're putting the brain in a state where it's ready to change. See, the problem with meditation or anything else for that matter is when, when the lower brain doesn't want to change, and then you introduce this technique trying to create change, it's resisted by our, by our own physiology. But we shift the physiology into this thrive state. Then we introduce the meditation and we get... A, a response out of proportion to the amount of time and energy that we put into it. Wow, that's so fascinating. Now, I have had the experience of seeing several uh, brains mapped, and um, you see all the the lines and all the different things, and people, you know, people who are skilled in reading that can tell what's going on. Is that what it looked like, all the different lines going places? Well, yeah, and, and what, what it looked like, and I might also add that since that time, we've come a, we've come a long way, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. We now have our own Source Code Meditation World headquarters at a Higher Brain Living Institute in Chicago. Right. We actually have a director of research. We own our own EEG equipment now, so we, we're producing research all, on a regular basis out of there. And so a lot of this we've, we've seen over and over and over again now. Right. But, but what, what's happening is it, it in this particular, what gave me that aha was that, th that the, it was when the brain started shifting energy into the higher structures. For one, we were seeing what they call voltage increases or amplitude increases into the higher structures of the brain. And then it started flooding with alpha waves in the prefrontal cortex. But the thing that I think you're pointing to with all of those lines is the process called coherence happens 
where that when the, when the brain makes that higher shift, it then starts to cohere. So it's like it's meeting these these all of these areas are meeting in phase and it starts to amplify that new higher brain signal and that starts to then flood across the brain. And so on a lot of EEG maps, you'll see that coherence as, as lines spreading throughout different areas of the brain. That's all, it, it's like the higher brain is now setting the pace instead of the lower brain. Right, right. Um, in the book, the book is... It's a manual for doing source code meditation, mm -hmm. and it's fascinating. I know you also have online courses that you teach um, that are available at sourcecodemeditation.com. Mm -hmm. What is salutogenesis? Yeah, so salutogenesis is the name that I, I gave to the mechanisms that emerge when the higher brain starts to wake up. And so this is what it looks like is happening. So we talk about introducing this, these low force contacts in a specific code that release that prana, subtle energy, to the brain. Now, what it appears like is that within this dormancy of large parts of the higher structures of the brain is mechanisms or processes that allow the brain to self-energize, that just aren't fully online, so to speak. And so as we start to nudge the brain awake with our technique, it starts to wake up enough to learn how to energize itself. And you feel that on the table during a session, or you feel that when you go through the book and learn how to self-engage these these pathways, the brain, you feel the energy start to flood through your body and it starts to take on this rhythmical like process that we call salutogenesis or a salutogenic mechanism. So salutogenesis is the response that the brain makes once it starts to wake up and learn how to self-energize. And it's a real thing. You, you, it, it starts to feel, you start to feel like breath is moving in you in a way, uh, it, it, people describe it as, I feel like it's not just my lungs breathing, but every cell in my body is breathing. It's happening from my head to my toe. Or I've never, I feel like there's breath in my arms and legs. Like it, and it starts to take on this rhythmical quality. And it starts to feel like you're being breathed. Not like you're breathing, but you're being breathed. And the energy starts to flood to the body. And it's a mechanism that the brain is using to further energize itself. And so we call that salutogenesis. I actually borrowed the term from some leading edge um, a biologist that uh, coined the term salutogenic brain based on uh, their findings of the brain's capacity to produce wellness, where it had always been studied based on what was wrong with it, as opposed to these new potentials to produce wellness that were in it. And so they coined a term, these kind of hardcore traditional biologists around the salutogenic brain, and it fit. the, the So we see this salutogenic mechanism that wakes up that, that higher brain. So that's what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a latent or untapped capacity or potential or function of our biology that helps uh, self-energize the brain. 
Michael, you are uh, the focus of your work is the evolution of consciousness, um, helping to create a, a new human, to helping our society or our to evolve. Yeah. And um, part of that is you have systems for everything, which I love and it's fun. What are the nine summits of transformation? Yeah. So the nine summits of transformation. I love I love these um, these light little topics, right? About the evolution of the new human. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great. So, okay, so th- there's a whole lot in there. So I'm going to just first go with what's the nine summits of transformation. Okay. So the nine summits of transformation. Source code meditation is the process that teaches us that we learn through the book that teaches us to bring our own touch and breath and intention into these pathways of the body that liberate energy to the brain. So the brain starts to wake up, and then we introduce a type of meditation while the brain is awake. And that not only creates an awakened brain, but an awakened mind as well. So now we have an empowered new brain and mind. We are stress-free. We are anxiety-free. We are clear, confidence is surging, we're able to access flow states, and now the question is, so what do we do with that, right? And the nine summits of transformation is the application of that awakened state to all areas of one's life. So how do you take that awakened brain state and change your relationships? or upgrade your finances, or find your life purpose. The nine summits guide us through that. They help us discover those deep transcendent states. They help us discover our purpose and how to live it. They help us clean up the shadows that may be hijacking, that may be locked up inside of us that hijack us. They teach us what development looks like so we can see the map more clearly as we're trying to grow and evolve. So in short, the nine summits are encompass every vector of human growth known to mankind or humankind, every way that we can grow to create a complete integral holistic life. The nine summits are like the guide of how to, to step-by-step go from an awakened brain and an awakened mind to living that or bringing that into the life process. And I want to share that that's a big part of the book, Source Code mm-hmm. Meditation. It's, it's a big part of it. So, um, uh, Can I just say one thing real quick? Because, because yeah. thank you for noticing that. Because it, it's always in the same way that I realized, you know, having techniques – that completely missed the fact that the brain was correlated with every single thing that those techniques tried to create. There's a real incompleteness in in not bringing the physiology into the picture for me. Likewise, what I realized is it's not enough just to wake up our brain and wake up our mind. We have to show up in the world and we have to show up in our life and we have to create a new life from that state. And so it was never enough for me just to help people wake up. 
I want to help them grow up and show up and unlock their purpose and live that fearlessly authentic life. And to do that, uh, we need some map of the territory out there. And so, the, so, so this was designed, uh, it's actually all what's called integrally or integral meta theory informed, which is, uh, w- w- which kind of leaves no stone unturned uh, within this whole way that we unfold our life. I'd love to talk about the community you've created, how people can integrate this information into their lives. And could you discuss, you have two websites. There's higherbrainliving.com, sourcecodemeditation.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, what resources are available for people who are interested? Yeah, we, all, we also have a uh, Source Code Meditation Facebook group. You can just put that into Facebook and find it. And, and uh, anyone's welcome in that group. We have private groups for people in some of our programs. But we have a public group for people who just want to learn about it. We just, in fact, launched the public group very, very recently. So it's, it's brand new. Uh, but we, ha- we have uh, – so that's a community element of them. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, we, we have the, the book available, but as you alluded to on our website, we also have online programs. And one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, attached to, if you will, and I'm, I'm partly still buzzing because we just came off of one two weeks ago, are uh, re- these live event retreats that we have. And we have like six of them on our website right now from coast to coast, uh, one, a couple of them internationally, uh, but they are... Uh, you know, we have long seven-day international ones that are very high-end and involved ones, but we do consistently these two-day weekend retreats. And, and we did that to be able to really let people experience the live element of this, receive the hands-on session, learn the technique, or if they already learned the technique, deepen the technique. And the community that uh, develops around that. It's the thing about those that's the most profound to me. I, I say this, I actually posted right after this retreat that within 24 hours, there were the depth of connection within that large group that we just had at this last retreat. There's a closer and a different type of relationship that people have with close family members and lifetime friends. There's something that happens there that is, I call it a sacred we space. It's like this affirming of this new way to be in the world and this new way to relate to each other. And so uh, we, created the, we create those retreats on a consistent basis because there's just no substitute for that kind of uh, in-person gathering and transformation that, that happens there. So that's one of my, my favorite of the things that we, we offer. That's really neat. We have had an amazing time today talking with Dr. Michael Cotton about his book, Source Code Meditation. I invite you to visit Michael's website, websites, sourcecodemeditation.com and higherbrainliving.com to learn more about Michael's work, upcoming events and online courses, and to join his community. Michael, I am hoping you can share some closing words of wisdom with us today. All right. (laughs) I'll I'll do my best. So, closing words of wisdom. Well, I guess this is what, it's, what I 
want to ask your listeners or request of your listeners is to really believe in transformation. And I say that not, not offhandedly. What I have found is that in our modern, postmodern world, most people have really given up on the idea of transformation. And I mean really transformation of creating a radical new life and a new way to be in the world. I'm not talking about just feeling a little better or being a little less stressed out. I'm talking about emerging into a new stage of consciousness, helping create. When we went from the dark ages into the Renaissance, that was a new stage of human evolution and consciousness. And it can happen again. And it starts with just the belief that it can happen. And there's so much research that tells us people have have lost that belief in transformation because they're not finding it in the programs they pursue and the places they go. I'm going to just real quickly speak to one study that disturbed me so much. It was was put out from the the yoga journal that uh, listed from a a study of the 36 million people doing yoga. uh, They sampled a large session of those and it, and it, and it asked them, what are the reasons that you entered a yoga studio and pursued yoga? And the top five reasons were um, increased flexibility, increased health, increased physical fitness, uh, decreased stress. And uh, so I thought, well, you know, yoga was kind of a transformative path that was meant to you know, liberate consciousness and connect us to the divine and radically transform our whole life. And I thought, well, hmm, that doesn't sound much like yoga, but maybe it's okay. You get people in the door and you get them on this conveyor and that happens later, but it didn't happen later. And what the research showed is that when they surveyed people that had been doing yoga for quite some period of time, the top five reasons for continuing were just exactly the same top five reasons as when they entered. So I started realizing that we've, we're, not, we're, we're, we're not engaging this idea that we can evolve spiritually, that we can create a whole new metamind, that we can be part of a revolution that brings in a new stage of consciousness and that it can and it starts with unlocking the potential in our life the purpose in our life and living that way and I and so what I I just want to say is please believe me it's possible and that the first step in taking action in that direction and 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 really I believe getting out of some of the the mindset and the things that just keep us spinning on the in, in circles really believing that uh, there's, there's more than we can even imagine that's available to us. And it's that initial belief that will, uh, you know, lead someone to click on my website or pursue something, whatever it is, that can help get them on that vertical uh, trajectory. And so that's, that's, I guess, what I would like to leave with. Transformation is possible. Believe it. And then, uh, you know, take some action towards it because we need it. Oh, wow. Thank you so much, Michael. This has been really fun. Thank My you. My pleasure. It has, been, it has been great. Thank <laughs> you so much. I want to acknowledge you for, for providing this forum. It's, it's, uh, it's wonderful being able to kind of uh, really go with this, this flow of some of this 
what for a lot of the world would feel like pretty wild dialogue, right? <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. My pleasure. Deep gratitude to Brian, Zach, and Synergy for the use of their song, Embrace the Change. I thank all of you for joining with us today and invite you to visit spiritofthedawn.com for more inspirational interviews. Sending love from my home to yours, I am Pleiadian Emissary of Life, Caroline Roth.